You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. How are y'all doing? You good? You guys are awake. The 9 a.m. I love it. Um, weren't the pictures and videos in that, like, I'm, I'm biased, like, some of them were my people, but weren't they good? There was um, one, like, I, I looked at all these pictures earlier this week. There's one I could not get in my, out of my head all week long. I think we have a picture of it. Um, let's throw that, that picture up right here. There it is, this one. Listen, I don't know if Kyler's in the room or not, but, Kyler, this is not a lap dog, man. And this, this is like a full-size dinosaur. I have a seven-pound dog that wears sweaters. That is a lap dog. This is like Clifford the Big Red Dog, but I love this picture. And we, we show those pictures because we're talking about family today. And um, you, you know what else is going to be stuck in my head all day? We are family. Come on, it's going to be stuck in your head? Uh, and the band, I mean, the band is just, they blow my mind. Cotter says it every week. I say it every week. But, like, Phil's up here, like, running up and down that bass. Josh is doing his thing. Leslie, the crew, were singing. Like, don't they do an amazing job every week? So thankful for our band. But you all are going to be singing We Are Family all day long, all right, just so you know. Um, and speaking of family, I want to say hey to anybody who's new to our church family. Uh, my name is Joel, and I'm the campus pastor here. And we think it's a big deal that you will give our church a shot this weekend. And so thanks for being here. A big shout out to everybody in our online family, wherever you're watching from. Maybe you're watching from your living room, sitting in your lazy boy chair while holding your 80-pound lap dog, like my man Connor. We're not here to judge. We're just so glad that you're here. And so can you guys give it up for our online family and every first timer that we got here today? Thank you, guys. Yes. So I thought about family all week because we're starting this new series called Family Matters. And somebody asked me this morning, is this about like the Urkel show? No. Actually, I didn't really watch much of the Oracle Show. Anybody like into the Oracle Show? You were into that one back in the day? Okay, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't know anything about it, right? But we're going to talk about family, and I thought about family all weekend long, or all week long, and um, I thought about one of my favorite family memories as a kid uh, was every Saturday morning, uh, me and my brother would go to my grandparents' house, and my grandparents lived in Seaford, and me and all my cousins would show up to my grandparents' house. And on Saturday mornings for like three or four hours, we did what every kid did in the 80s, which was anything we wanted to do. And the 80s, how many, of 80, how many 80 kids do we have in here? 80s kids? Listen, so, so you know, listen, in the 80s, there were no helmets. There was no parental supervision. There was no gluten allergies. We even know there was a gluten, right? Like no idea, right? And so I love the 80s. Anybody miss the 80s just a little bit? You miss it a little bit? I love the 80s. And so at my grandparents' house, we go, and we would sit there, and we watch Knight Rider and the A-Team. Come on, people. We would go play on the railroad tracks behind my grandparents' house. And you might be thinking, like, isn't that, like, unsafe? Not in the 80s it wasn't. It was amazing. And the only thing unsafe that we did at my grandparents' house, uh, at least in the 80s that was unsafe, is my grandfather had a snapper lawnmower. And nothing is more dangerous than a snapper lawnmower. Because a snapper lawnmower, we just ride it around the yard for fun, but it had a square or a rectangle steering wheel. All right, and you would turn the steering wheel, and it would keep going straight. 
And so we would just like ride all around the yard, try to turn, keep going straight. And so uh, we had so much fun there. I loved going to my grandparents um, when I was growing up. But the thing I did not like about going over at my grandparents and doing is my cousins made up a game called Chain Reaction that they made me play. And my grandparents had this, this uh, railroad track behind their house, and they had this cow pasture back there that had an electric fence around the cow pasture. And my cousin Chris came up with this game where all of our cousins, we would all hold hands from oldest to youngest. And then the oldest cousin would grab the electric fence, sending an electrical current through my entire family tree. And whoever let go first lost the game. Chain reaction. The problem was the electric current got stronger the further you went down the train or the chain. And guess who was always the last person in the chain? <laughs> Your pastor, people. And I would get rocked. Like all 34 pounds of me would just get rocked by this electrical current. And, and I actually found some video footage of me getting shocked by this thing. And so you, you want to see like my childhood? All right. Here's me playing chain reaction with my cousins. That's actual footage from my childhood, right there, right there. And if you've ever like wondered, like, what is wrong with a pastor? Now it's chain reaction, that's what's wrong. I'm pretty sure chain reaction is why I'm partially colorblind, all right? I think it's, it's chain reaction. So that's my least favorite thing about going to my, my mom's house. My favorite thing about going to my mom's house is my mom was the one who introduced me to Mountain Dew. Come on, mom's. And you might be like, well, mamas can't give the kids Mountain Dew. They can in the 80s. And so I love Mountain Dew. Like when, I, when this first touched my lips at my grandparents' house, my life was never the same. And I would look forward all weekend or all week long to going to my grandparents' house on Saturday morning, getting myself a Mountain Dew. It almost made getting electrocuted worth it. And so I'd immediately go and I'd drink a Mountain Dew when I get there. But what's the only thing better than one Mountain Dew? Two Mountain Dews. And so my goal is to drink two Mountain Dews. But my mom, even though we didn't have a rule against playing on the railroad tracks, there was a rule against Mountain Dew. And my mom's rule was never, ever, under any circumstances, drink two Mountain Dews. And this is what she say. She say, Joel, two is too much. Joel, two, honey, honey, Joel, two, two is too much. Two is too much. Put it down. Put it back in the refrigerator. Two is too much. And to this day, if I decide to drink a second Mountain Dew in a day, do you know what I hear in my head? Two is too much. Like, my mom is still stuck in my head. Anybody else there? And moms have all these famous mom lines. And I, I was kind of thinking about classic family lines this week, stuff you hear in your families. And so I, I put some of these um, lines um, on, a, on a slide, and I put a blank in the line. And so if you've ever heard these family lines, these mom lines, family lines in your family, just shout me down with the blank. So we'll put this first one up on the screen. It's coming. Money doesn't grow on... How many of you heard this back in the day? Oh, yeah. Hey, you want, you want to get a pizza? What do you think? Money grows on trees? We can't get a pizza. You want an allowance? How about I allow you to live here? You know, money doesn't grow on trees. That, that's a classic family line. Here's another classic family line. Um, because I... Yes, all right. Why do I have to clean up my room? Because I said so. Mom, why can't I play or drink two Mountain Dews? You let me play on the railroad tracks because I said so. Who, who hated this line growing up? You hated this line? Okay. Now, parents, where are the parents at in the room? 
When your kid says a thousand times, why, 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 what automatically comes out of you? Because I said so. We all become our parents, people. Here's one of the the famous mom lines in in my family. I don't know if you ever heard this one. This is the last one. My mom would say, don't say another word. Do you hear me? This is the most confusing mom line of all the mom lines. And I was a very literal kid, so my mom would be like, don't say another word. Do you hear me? And I'm thinking, I ain't saying nothing. And she would be like, do you hear me? I'm like, I ain't saying nothing. And then I would get in more trouble, all right? This is my entire childhood. How many of you have some famous family lines in your family, stuff that is said in your family? Anybody got some famous family lines? I think we all do. Um, Here's what I know. We all have families. They're all different, and they're all a little challenging. Can I get an amen? Amen. We all have families. They're all a little challenging. And um, and so for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about how you can thrive in and not just survive in your families because... Because family matters. And this series is, is for all of us because, listen, we, we all have aunts. We all have uncles. We all have some crazy uncles, right? We all have nephews and nieces and brothers and sisters and parents. Some of us have spouses. Some of you, you're here looking for your spouse. You're like, are they here? I put, I put my best face mask on today. I'm looking for them. Um, some of us have in-laws, and we all got a few outlaws in the family. Isn't that true? And so there's a few things, we all have families, there's a few things that we can do to thrive in and not just survive in our families. And so uh, the ideas I'm going to give you today and throughout this series are going to be super simple. Uh, My goal today is super simple. I just want to help you make God first in your family, to help you make God or keep God first in your family. Now, a little disclaimer before I get rolling on this. All right, I don't have all the answers when it comes to family. I am a fellow struggler, especially when it comes to parenting. I'll, I'll never forget when I was a teenager, I worked at the Georgia House restaurant in Millsboro. Oh, yeah. And I was a cook there. I love working at the Georgia House. And I was also a busboy. And, um, and there was this family that always would come in every Friday night. They'd sit in the exact same booth, and they would bring their two young kids with them. And their kids would go off the rails in the restaurant. All right, their kids would be fighting, they'd be yelling, kids would be laying on the Georgia House restaurant floor like a fish, like flopping around like a fish. And then I would think to myself before I had kids, I would look at that couple and I'd be like, you all need to get a grip. You need to get control over those kids. This is what's wrong with this next generation. Like I would just think all this stuff. And then I had kids. And I'll never forget, a few years ago, we, we went to the um, Applebee's right over here, right after church. We decided to skip Nixon's nap because we wanted lunch. Terrible idea. We're sitting in the Applebee's, and uh, Stacy took Nora, our daughter, to the bathroom, and it's just me and Nixon, and Nixon loses his stuff in the Applebee's. He's laying in the floor of the Applebee's like a limp noodle, like screaming. And I saw that punk kid looking at me the way I looked at that other couple. And I'm looking at him like, you need to turn around. You have no idea how hard this is. You wait till you get a few of these kids. Like, parents, can you relate to this right here? So I don't have all the answers. I am a fellow struggler. But there are some things that we can all do uh, to make God first in our family, no matter how, fa- how crazy your family is. And can I just say that that's God's dream for my family? and your family, and all of our families that we make him first in our families? You, you remember like one of the Ten Commandments, one of the big ten, the top ten? God said, hey, don't, don't have any other gods before me in your lives, in your families, uh, in, in your homes. And I wonder if when God said that, 
He knew that if we, if we did that, if we made him first in our, in our Shell Brothers homes, in our Lennar homes, in our boast-thinking Dukes Builders homes, that our homes would be a place where we forgave each other, where we supported each other, we'd love each other, we'd be behind each other, that our homes would be a place where everybody felt valued, that if we put God first in our homes, that the family football team would be the Baltimore Ravens. Come on, somebody. No, you all aren't there, but... But if you want that to happen, you want to have that forgiveness and that value and that, that kindness toward each other, that happens when you choose to make God first in your family. And the reason I say choose is because of something Joshua famously said in Joshua 24, verse 15. And I love this. You've probably heard this if you've been around the church for a while. Joshua said, choose today whom you will what? choose today whom you will serve. And then he, he says a few other things. And then at the end of the verse, he says, but as for me and my family, or maybe you read a different translation, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and so it doesn't matter if you're married or single, if you got kids or don't have kids, if you're young or old, if you're a, a cat mom or a dad or dog dad like Cotter, we can all say, hey, today, today, I'm going to choose to make God first in my family. And so how, how do we choose that? I just have two ideas for you today if you're taking notes. The first thing is this. You have to own your faith. You, you, you have to own your faith. Now, I was thinking about um, the difference between owning something versus renting something. And I remember a few years ago, a bunch of us went down to Atlanta for a, a church conference, and my wife Stacy went, and uh, Bo Dukes, our worship, le- worship leader, went, Katie went, a bunch of us went down there. And when we got to the airport, there was a problem with a rental vehicle because isn't there always a problem with the rental vehicle? And I had ordered like the smallest car they sold because it's cheapest, and I am cheap. But they didn't have the smallest car, and they gave us a full-size Chevy Tahoe, come on, people. And it was, it was fancy, all right? So I remember I was driving. I, we left the airport. I'm driving down the highway in Atlanta, and, and all of a sudden, I'm just driving, and like all of a sudden, bzzz, the sea like, like vibrated, and I had no idea what it was, so I'm like, okay, it's fine, all right, whatever. I'm driving. Next thing I know, <laughs> and I'm getting like flashbacks to getting electrocuted in chain reaction. I'm just sitting there, and like it's just shocking me all over the place, and somebody in the car was like, Joel, what's happening is every time you get near the line on the highway, the Tahoe knows it, and it is letting you know, and I'm like, get out of here. They're like, no, for real. I'm like, I'm a terrible driver then, because this thing is like shocking me like crazy. And I had to learn how to drive this rental car. I drive a Civic, you guys. This is a full-size Tahoe. So I'm in downtown Atlanta. I'm like hitting curbs. But I'm like, it's fine. It's a rental. And then like Stacy, my wife, she'd be in the passenger seat. And she likes to lounge in the passenger seat, okay? Like I'm not this flexible. She'll like put her feet up on the dashboard. So she's got her feet up on the dashboard, leaving heel marks all over the place. People are in the back seat dropping fries all over the floor. I'm like, don't worry about it, guys. It's a rental. When we got to um, uh, downtown Atlanta, we wanted to go eat at this place called Ted's one night, which if you've not eaten at Ted's, my goodness, it's good. They have bison burger. Mm, good. Anyway, so we go to Ted's, or we try to go to Ted's, but the only place to park is in this sketchy um, garage, park, parking garage, and we pull in there, and there's only one parking spot in the entire parking garage, and it's the size of a Mini Cooper. So I'm not planning on parking in there. But Bo is like, Joel, just, just park there. I'm like, I, I can't. It's the size of a Mini Cooper, Bo Dukes. This is not no Mini Cooper. And he's like, you'll be fine. Plus, it's a rental. 
I'm like, fine. And so I parked the full-size Tahoe in a Mini Cooper-sized parking spot. It was so tight. I think people were climbing out the back of the Tahoe window to get out of the car. Now, I would never park in that spot in my own car. Listen, when I'm in my car, if I, like, see a perfectly good parking spot, but the car next to the parking spot has the novice driver sticker on it, I'm like, I ain't parking here. Moving over here. Right? If, if Stacy puts her heels up, you know, puts her feet up on, the, on my car dashboard, I'm like, this ain't no rental, girl. My kids drive fries all over the place. I'm like, you, you, you kids are disrespecting my car. How many of you, you drive a rental a little differently than you drive your own car? Be honest, you're in church. Let me see your hands. Okay, four of you. The rest of you, liar, liar, pants on fire. But here's my point. Here's my point. Isn't it true that you have a different perspective when it comes to owning something versus renting something? Isn't that true? And I think the same is true for our faith. And if you want to make God first in your family, you have to own your faith. You got you to make it your own because it changes your perspective. And I think so many times in our family, we're, we're trying to like own what other family members are doing. We're trying to control what they're doing. We're all worried about them. How many of you like worried about some of your family members? Some of you are like, oh, I'm sitting next to them, so I can't raise my hand, all right? But like them, them. We're all worried and trying to control and own what other people in our family do. do. Well, what if what, the best thing that you can do in your family, this is so important. What if the best thing that you can do in your family is to worry less about your other family members and worry more about owning your own faith? Worry more about owning your own relationship with God. And, and I got kind of like a flashing news, breaking news for you guys. All right, there's only one person you can control in your family, and it is not your husband. It is not your wife. It is not your kids. Parents, can, you, can I get a preach it, brother? You, now, you can influence your kids, but how many of you know you can't change them? There's only one person you can change in your family, and it is who? You, all right? And if you want to thrive in and not just survive in your family, you have to own your faith. You got to take care of it personally. And, and sometimes in our family, like, we, we draft a little bit. You guys, you guys know what drafting is? You know, like, drafting is like when my wife is driving the family minivan, and she's behind somebody on Route 1, and she's, like, all up, she's, like, cleaning off their bumper, you know what I'm talking about? How many of you, you draft a little bit when you're driving? Let me see the drafter drivers. Some of you are, like, all right, this is why we don't have Bayshore bumper stickers, all right, because we draft when we drive. We can draft in our cars, but we can also draft spiritually. And like for me, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, and for years, I, I drafted off my, my parents' faith. Like I had a secondhand faith. And maybe you're like dating somebody or you're married to somebody, and they're, they're the super spiritual ones, all right? They're the ones who when you go to Starbucks, they, they talk to the barista. They're like, okay, I'll take a latte and two minutes of your time because we're going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> you make it two syllables, all right? You're like, the, you're the super spiritual person. And maybe you're married to that person, you're dating that person, and you just come to church with them to keep a little peace in the house. And that is drafting off their faith. That is a secondhand faith. And I'm not knocking on you if you have a secondhand faith or you're drafting. A lot of us have done that before. But, but our lives get so much better when we move from drafting off of their faith to driving in our own faith. Our families get so much better when you move from drafting off of their faith to driving in your own faith. Okay, and so when you say, hey, I am going to make this my own. I'm going to make this real for me. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to say my prayers. I'm going to go to church. And you move from a secondhand faith to a firsthand faith because this is so important. You can't live a God-first life with a secondhand faith. You can't live a God-first life with a secondhand faith because owning it changes your perspective. And, and let me show you what Jesus, or how Jesus put it. In Mark 12, 29, 
Jesus said, the most important commandment is this. Now, when Jesus says the most important commandment is this, everybody should be like, whoop. Okay, what is this? This is the most important commandment. You. Wait, who? You. you. Oh, you who? You. Your boo. Your boo? Yeah. No, you. You. You must love the Lord your God with all whose heart? Your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You loving God, that's the most important thing. That's how you make God first in your families. That's how you thrive in your families and not just survive in your families. And that's what this verse really represents what I want for me in my life. It's what I want for for you guys. This is what I want for my my kids right here. Now, I, I want some things for my kids. Any parents want some things for your kids? I want some things for my kids. Like I remember last year, my boy Nixon... For his fourth birthday, um, I, I, I told my wife, Stacy, I was like, hey, honey, I know what Nixon wants for his birthday. And she's like, oh, did he tell you? I'm like, no, no, no. He, well, yeah, he told me he wanted a big wheel, but he doesn't really know what he wants. What he wants is a surfboard. And she's like, okay, no, no, no. I think that's what you want for him. I'm like, no, no, this isn't about me. Don't make this about me. It's about my boy, his birthday. Like, and so we got him a surfboard. And he loves it. But there's all these things I want for my kids. Parents, how many of you, for your kids, you want them to be, like, happy and healthy? Anybody want your kids to be happy and healthy? Want your kids to be happy and healthy? Anybody you want your kid to be smart, even though some of you are their homeschool teacher right now? <laughs> Lord, help this next generation. Give them calculators for minds or something. I don't know. Um, anybody want your kids to make a little bit of money someday so they move out to your house? <laughs> some of you will have a moment with that one right there. But every parent wants some things for their kids. But the number one thing I want for my kids, the number one thing that I want for your kids, the number one thing I want for our Bayshore kids is that they, they make God everything in their life. That's what matters the most, okay? And parents, if that's what we want for our kids, we have to model that. Now, I'll be the first to say, like, I I don't always model that all that well. I I remember... um, it's so a week and a half ago, I took my kids into the grocery store. What's taking a five and a seven-year-old into the grocery store during a pandemic is like a dumpster fire waiting to happen. So we go in the grocery store. I'm in the deli section trying to get some lunch meat. My kids get away from me because that's basically what their goal is in life, to get away from me. They go to the produce section, and they're going off the rails in the produce section. I don't know what they're doing. They're like shucking corn or eating carrots or something. I see it from the deli section. I yelled at my kids from the deli section to the produce section. Things are bad when you're yelling from the deli section to the produce section. And I don't even know what I said, but it was not in the Bible, people. And after I said it, listen, I I yelled at my kids. I looked over, and I promise you, there was a lady next to me who looked right at me, and I could have sworn I've seen her in this church. (laughs) Not no more. Okay, I don't know. Um, so I had to apologize to my kids. You ever had to apologize to your kids before? <laughs> I had to apologize to my kids. And here's the thing. I am a flawed dad. But here's what's important. What matters most isn't always what you say in the grocery store. It's what you do and what your kids see you do all the time. I just believe more is caught than taught. And one of the things that um, my kids have seen me do since um, they've been born is they've seen me get up in the morning and read my Bible. And my daughter, Nora, she used to always just like lay in the bed next to me while I was reading my Bible, and she's too cool for that. But she knows in the mornings, in the mornings, Dad, he is reading his Bible. And that's just kind of what I do. Now, I've had to like change my Bible reading a little bit. I had to go analog recently because my kids, I used to just read my Bible on my phone or on my iPad, and my kids are smart enough now that they could think like, oh, 
dad's just watching The Mandalorian on Disney Plus. That's what he's doing, which I do do that sometimes. Um, and so I had to go old school, and I, I just got one of these recently. Who remembers one of these? <laughs> it's like weightlifting right here. Old school. This is old school right here. But I have this so that I can sit at the kitchen island in the mornings now, and my kids can see me reading the Bible. Because I'm just hoping, I'm hoping that more is caught than taught. And that what matters most isn't always what you say in the grocery store, because parents, we all mess that up sometimes. But it's what you do every single day. And so what, what, do, you, what do we do? What do we do if we want to make God first in our families? We got to make him first in our families. We have to just prioritize him in our life. We got to show him and, and live for him in front of our kids. And this isn't just for you if you're a parent. This is for all of us. Because if you want to thrive in your family, if you want your family tree to change, you have to worry less about your other family members and worry more about owning your own faith, owning your own relationship with God, saying, hey, I'm going to go after God personally. I'm going to serve God personally. I'm going to stop drafting, and I'm going to start driving in my faith. And that, your family will see that, and they'll start to get inspired. Your family tree will start to change. Are you guys all with me? All right, so you have to own your faith. That's one of the best things you can do for your family. Here's my, my final point, is you have to prioritize church. Prioritize church. So um, I heard about this letter that this dad wrote to his, his, um, his son's, I'm sorry, to his daughter's uh, boyfriend who he broke off their engagement. That's really confusing, okay? So he wrote this letter to his daughter's boyfriend and he, after he broke off their engagement. And any, anybody like a dad with a daughter Dads with daughters? Okay, yeah. So this like was near and dear to my heart, this letter this dad wrote to his, um, uh, his, his, his daughter's fiance or after he broke off the relationship. So this is what he says. Dear Tom, I've been unable to sleep since I broke off your engagement to my daughter. Will you forgive and forget? I was much too sensitive about your mohawk, tattoo, and pierced nose. I now realize that motorcycles aren't that dangerous, and I really shouldn't have reacted the way that I did to the fact that you've never held a job. Sure, my daughter is only 18, and instead of going to college on a full scholarship, she wants to marry you. But after all, you can't learn everything from books. And I sometimes forget just how backwards I can be. I was wrong. I was a fool. I've now come to my senses, and you now have my full blessing to marry my daughter. Sincerely, your future father-in-law. P.S. Congratulations on winning this week's lottery. Come on, that's funny, right? Oh, and maybe you're like, well, what's the point of that? Listen, the point is, if you're like trying to get your future father-in-law's blessings, start playing the lottery. (laughs) Somebody's going to ask you, like, what did the pastor say in church? He told me to start playing the lottery. What the world kind of church is that? Um, Anyway, I'm going to train my daughter not to date this guy, all right? No offense. If you're that guy, we love you. We're so glad you're in church. All right, my daughter can't date you. Anyway, (laughs) there's a famous proverb, Proverbs 22, 6. We'll put it on the screen. And it says this. It says, Train a child in the way he or she should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Anybody heard this before? Maybe, maybe you have older kids, and you're like, you're looking at this, and you're a little cynical, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. Have you met my kid? Like, we'll do a Zoom conference with my kid after this. You'll, you'll see. And this is so important because a proverb isn't a promise. A proverb is a principle. And so... What this verse doesn't say is if you train your kid the right way, then every time, 100% of the time, they will make the right choices and they will not show up in the police section of the Cape Gazette. 
This does not say that, okay? This, this basically is saying if you do this, a lot of times your kids will choose the right path. And I think that's so important to point out because I've talked to so many parents over the years who their kids have like gone a different way and they're like, hey, I, I taught my kid about Jesus. We did the prayers. We did all the things. We went to church. We did the stuff, Pastor Joel, but it didn't seem to work and it's all my fault. And I feel like I hear that a lot of times. And some, some of you parents, you've been beating yourselves up for years because of, of the choices your adult children are making. And here's the thing. You can influence your kids, but, and you can do the best you can, but at some point, they make their own choices. At some point, they choose their own paths, and so you got to release that. Their spiritual journey, they chose as an adult themselves. Their spiritual journey, their, their choices they're making every day, that's not on you. you got to let that mess go. you got to release that. But the good news is their story isn't done yet. And so keep hoping, keep praying, keep believing, and keep just you owning your faith and influencing them in that way. But this verse is a principle, not a promise. And so what it means is a lot of times, if you train your kids the right way, they will live right. Now, what I love about this verse is it's just not for kids. It's for all of us. If you want to live right, you got to train right. So I need to see everybody's like muscle. Let's just do a little training muscle show. Okay. Thank you, Cheryl, on this side. You're the only one. This side, pretty good. I had like a 2% participation. Cheryl rocking it over there. Those muscles are popping too. Um, where do you train to live right? I may be a little biased, but I think you are sitting in the best place to train to live right. I think you are watching the best place to train to live right. Church is the Jesus gym, baby. And you guys are in church or you're watching church. Don't you love it when you're already doing what the pastor is asking you to do? Come on, give yourself like an, you can't high five other people. Every like physical distancing, but just give yourself a high five. I'm doing it. I love it. Some of you like multiple high fives. I'm real good. I'm good. Um, But isn't it true that when you prioritize church and you go to church consistently, that you start to consistently make better choices, like in general, I said in general, right? I know some of you still like you tailgate people and you still root for the Eagles. But in general, in general, listen, I think that good things start to happen in your house when you consistently show up in God's house. I think good things start to happen in your house when you start to show up in God's house. Now, I grew up in a go-to-church family. Now, we didn't have to go very far. I actually have a picture of my childhood house we'll put up on the screen. Okay, this is my house. This is the church, people. Did not have to go very far. This is why I need therapy right here. This is it. But we were a go-to-church family. We just always went to church. And, and um, after we went, you know, after we moved out of that house, we moved about five miles away. So we were a little further away from the church. And I got my license. I still went to church because I was just trained. That's what you do. When I got my license, I would, like, drive to all the youth groups all over Sussex County because I was just trained. You just, you just go to church. And my kids, as long as they live in my house, they got to go to church. And you might say, well, your kids, they probably just want to go to church. My kids are kids, man. Sometimes they want to come to church. Sometimes they want to skip and shoot each other with Nerf guns in the eyeball, okay? Like, but they got to go to church. Last weekend, I wasn't preaching. I'm sitting on the front row with my smoking hot wife. Listen to Cotter bring it down. Last weekend, he was insane, so good. But we're sitting on the front row. Like, we just, we just go to church. And listen, I know it's hard to go to church. I know, I know what you all go through to come here, all right? You, you got to wake up early on your day off. Who's not working today? It's your day off. 
You were at the 9 a.m. You woke up early for the 9 a.m. on your day off. You had to get everybody changed. You got to get everybody in the vehicle. And for a lot of us, the most family drama that happens in the family all week long happens in, on the ride to church, right, in the car. On 24, everybody's yelling at everybody. You're swerving the van down 24. Then you pull into the church parking lot, and you're like, hey, guys, we're at church. Sit down and shut up. We'll pick this up after church, all right? Come on, isn't that how it is a lot of times? It's stressful to get to church. It's hard to get to church. And you might be like, Joe, I'm coming to church. It ain't working. You know, like Gladys who called the Ellen show, like, I love Jesus, but I still cuss a little. And maybe you don't think it's working. And let me just encourage you with this. It is a spiritual impossibility to consistently commit to God and to not change. It is a spiritual impossibility to consistently commit to God and not change. You may not see it, but I'm sure it's happening. It is an, church is an investment that always has a return. And it's the best investment that you can make in your family because good things start to, ha- start to happen in your house when you keep on showing up in God's house. Uh, I was thinking about Robbie today. Robbie actually stepped out. Robbie's on the front row. And um, Robbie and Renata, we, I took a picture of them last weekend. Here's Robbie and Renata right here. Speaking of family drama, uh, Robbie's a Washington football team fan. Renata's an Eagles fan. Family drama. They make it work, though. Dax is also now an Eagles. Dax, okay. So the kids are now moving over to the Eagles, apparently. But I was thinking about Robbie because about a month ago, I think Renata was out of town or had something going on with um, family. And uh, Robbie's like, well, we're we're still going to go to church. And he had the kids. And so I, I remember Robbie walked through the door of the church. He has, like, Baby Ezra, right here, he's got Dax, he's got like a, a diaper bag on him, he's got pockets full of like pacifiers, I'm pretty sure he had holsters for the bottle, so he'd be like, Shh. sitting in the front, he sat in the front row, you guys, because he is a, he's like, I'm, I'm going to go to church. About a month before that, uh, their cars, all the, whole, all the family cars broke down at the same time. And the rental car, because you drove it like you stole it, all right? All of them broke down at the same time. Robbie's like, I'm still going to go to church. Robbie rode his bike from Five Points and Lewis to get to church. And I'm telling you, that's going to change his kids' lives. That's an investment that's going to change his family tree. You know, I think about Carrie. I don't mean to point you out, Carrie. I didn't know I was going to say this. But Carrie, about a month ago, she came to me. Oh, it was a couple months ago. Um, she's like, well, Joel, i got to miss church next weekend. I'm like, you got to miss church. And she's like, I've never missed church when we're in town. I've never missed church when we're in town. But it's my baby shower, and, and the person threw it on this day. I can't get out, I can't get out of my baby shower. <laughs> and so she was like, I always go to church. But she watched online, and she's always in church. And she just had a baby like two weeks ago. And look who's on the front row. <laughs> so Carrie is a go-to-church person. You know, vocals are go-to-church people. And, and like... I, I, maybe you're like, hey, I go to church once a quarter. And, and, and listen, I know things are busy. I know there's a thousand things to do. There's work. There's stress. There's all this stuff. But the best investment you can make in your family is become a go-to-church family every single week because good things start to happen in your house when you keep on showing up in God's house. I'll, uh, I'll end with this. My pup-up is one of my favorite people in the world. And there's a picture I've shown you guys before if you've been around here. This is uh, the last picture I have of my pup-up right here. It's from a couple years ago. My pup-up is 83 years old. He's a pastor. He's been a pastor for over 40 years, and he's got style for days. And this is not pup-up style. This is, 
like, I think Cam Newton calls my pup-up for style advice. And my pup-up is the guy, who, he's always styling. You never see him like that. Like, I think he sleeps in a purple suit. I'm pretty sure. I can't prove it, but he's like, he's always styling. I love my pup-up. But my pup-up has had, a, he's had a hard year because my mom passed away last year, and this has been his first full year by himself. And then on top of that, uh, my pup has been a pastor for as long as I've been alive. Uh, the church that he pastors during the pandemic, they, they weren't able to meet in person. Now, pup-up, since he's like cutting edge and dresses in purple suits, he's like, we're going on YouTube. And so Pop-Up Tice like, got, went on YouTube. I actually think I have a, a picture of, yeah, this is Pop-Up on YouTube. COVID's not going to hold Pop-Up Tice back. So he's all about, like, you know, his church, but he's had a hard year. And I remember um, during, the, during the shutdown, uh, one Sunday morning, my Pop-Up got up one morning. He put his suit on, and he came over to our house to watch Bayshore Online, to watch our church on YouTube with his family in the living room. And uh, it was one of the Sundays that I was preaching, and I don't want to take, like, the magic out of things, but... Some of those messages we pre-recorded. And so I was um, going to sit on the couch and watch me preach next to my papa, who knows the Bible like 10,000 times more than me. And so like I'm all sorts of nervous, but my papa the whole time, I'll never forget during the service, he sang the whole time, he amen the whole time, he wore his suit jacket the whole time. And at the end, my dad took a picture of him during the final prayer. And uh, here's a picture of my papa during the final prayer. And when I look at that picture, I see a man who, he didn't have to go to church this day in the middle of a pandemic, in the living room watching it on YouTube. He didn't have to go to church because, like, his body aches at this point. He, his heart hurts from missing my mom. There's not anything I was going to say that he hadn't heard a thousand times before. But my papa, he owns his faith, and he prioritizes church. And for decades, every Sunday morning, my papa gets up, he puts a suit jacket on, whether my mom was there to help him or not, and he goes to church. And the best investment this man has made in my life is owning his faith. The best investment this man has made in my life is prioritizing church. And, and this is what that generation did. How, how many of you have some parents or some grandparents who this, this is kind of, they're cut out of this cloth, right? They're kind of cut out of this cloth. Here's the thing. That generation is fading out. This is on us now. We, we got to be this generation. We got to be the generation that rises up and says, hey, I am going to own my faith. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go, even though there's a thousand other reasons why I shouldn't have to go or why I got too much to do, I'm going to go because if you want to thrive in and not just survive in your family, it starts here. It starts today. It starts in the Jesus gym, baby. And it's the best. This is the best investment you can make in your family and in your life. Because your house starts to get better when you keep on showing up in God's house. And when you worry less about your other family members and you worry more about owning your own faith and owning your relationship with God. And so I just want to end with what Joshua said one more time because this is so key to just this whole thing. Choose today whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Let me pray for you guys. Let me pray for you guys. Maybe you're here today and um, you've been drafting off of somebody else's faith or it's been a secondhand faith for you or maybe that's just too strong a terms. Maybe you've, you've chosen not to follow Jesus, but something in you today was like, okay, today's the day I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. And if you're not a Jesus follower and you want to choose to follow him, no one's looking around. Would you just raise up your hand and you can make that choice today, that, that choice that Joshua talked about in Joshua 24. Would you just raise your hand? 
All right, thank you guys for those who are raising your hands. And if you're online, if you want to raise your hand or you want to be a part of this, let's just say this out loud together. If you're a Jesus follower or if you just raise your hand, just say this together. Dear Jesus, I'm choosing today to serve you. I believe you're the son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins. And today, I'm choosing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.